For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State falls to a record of 5-3 and three this past Saturday night in Columbus, Ohio, going to visit number 5 Ohio State. And what was a surprisingly competitive game all the way down to the end Penn State ultimately falls to the Buckeyes by a score of 33 to 24 considering the events of the last three four weeks of Penn State football this has certainly been uh, surprising confusing stunning astonishing yet mildly inspiring so there's a lot to dive into in regards to this game we're going to break down the Penn State defense even though you give up 33 points and 466 yards the defense played well and then from Penn State's offense, John Clifford was the story and the run game was non-existent. So we're going to dive into whether or not this is sustainable from Mike Yurcich and company. And then kind of looking ahead at what the rest of the season is reasonably going to be for Penn State. Because right now, it feels relatively unpredictable. But one thing that's predictable is that we are back and we're better than ever. Because all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And Matt and I are very excited because we have a new sponsor, Funk. Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. And Matt, this is something that's right in your backyard in northeastern Pennsylvania. You got a great relationship with the Funk Brewing guys, and uh, I know you're a big fan of their products. Yeah, it's fantastic. And they they help me out every year as well with the sponsoring and, and donating to a charity golf tournament I run here in Northeast PA. But yeah, they've got a ton of good stuff, a lot of good seasonal stuff, right? Their citrus, you know, IPA is delicious, the little citrus. His IPA is delicious. Uh, I just had a silent disco IPA the other night, man, and it's very smooth. Or Hot Man series. There you go. You now see it right talking. there. I yeah, stole this is. from your charity golf tournament and brought it with me. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm cracking I, it after this. I just a friend of mine brought me in. I think it's a new beer of theirs. It's from like a Hot Man series. It's like uh, I can't think of the name of it. But anyways, it was fantastic. <laughs> Their Funktoberfest is great as well so again dude there there's constantly new beer coming out constantly new seasonal stuff they, they do a great job and anything you drink from there is solid it's fantastic 
Yeah, and for Penn State fans that are watching this, it's perfect for tailgating. As we mentioned, the Citrus IPA and the Silent Disco IPA, really two of their absolute best. Uh, They have a lot of different styles and flavors, as you talked about, for all types of beer drinkers, 50-plus options over time Mm. altogether, I believe. Like, these guys don't mess around. You can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So I'm excited about that. Um, This has been a challenging weekend for Penn State fans. I do want to take a brief moment and walk down memory lane, as we often do here on the Patriot Podcast, uh, to celebrate a milestone in Penn State's history. This past Friday was the 10-year anniversary of Joe Paterno's 409th victory as the head coach of Penn State. And you, Matt, were a part of that. In fact, you were responsible for engineering the game-winning drive and leading Penn State down the field. Ultimately, it culminated in a Silas Red rushing touchdown. Anthony Farah got Penn State on the board. It was tight against Illinois, ultimately a 10-7 to victory. But looking back on that game, what are some of your memories of that historic moment? Yeah, I mean, everybody only really remembers the final minutes. They don't remember how bad we played offensively. The rough first for, half was nothing, nothing at half. 50, yeah, for, you know, for 50, 55 minutes, how bad we played. And if you remember, Tom, Derek Moy didn't play for a majority of that game. He had a foot injury. And yeah, then all of a sudden, all, I don't even think, I mean, I don't think he could walk. And then all of a sudden, they throw him in the game at the end. And I remember... Let's see. I remember a couple plays now that now that we're bringing it up. He comes in. I pump fake the screen. He goes up the sidelines. I throw a back shoulder to him. That was like the big completion starter. I threw an inside post right route to Justin Brown. I threw a quick route to Moy. You remember it was a fourth down. I threw the ball like 45, 50 yards downfield. <laughs> Trying to score it. Rangy, yeah. long, tall guy. Flat, he, he came flags. up with us. We got to, but yeah, exactly. And that's the reason I did it, Tom. Like, I, like if I don't care, first down, fourth and three, game on the line, whatever it was. If it's one on one downfield with you know your best playmaker, give him a chance to go make a play. You know, we ended up getting a flag, and as you said, Silas, you know, scored that go ahead touchdown run, and then you know uh, they they missed the field goal off the upright. You know, in a rainy, cold game, man, and. You know, fortunately, I've been a part of a few games like that, Tom, where like Hollywood could not have written a better ending. So, you know, what what an awesome game, what an awesome celebration. And, you know, what what better way to win 409 than that right there? Awesome. Awesome. game. Yeah, it was stressful to watch, but uh, Mm -hmm. such a special moment for Joe Paterno to hit that milestone. And, you you um, know, you know, what's funny, Tom, it's like. Again, nobody remembers that entire game. You won the game, so all they remember is that last drive. That's it hides really the fact. Matters. It hides the fact that you played terribly for a majority <laughs> of the game. Because who cares? Win the football game, right? Win the game. And, and it's funny you say that, and that helps me transition from the past to the present because that has been the crux of the issue for Penn State fans uh, in this present season is that there have been high points, there have been some low points, obviously, but winning kind of forgives all sins. And uh, this past Saturday night in Columbus, granted, Penn State does not come out with the victory, falls to 5-3, and three, as I mentioned, a tight game against Ohio State. Again, it was number 20, visiting number 5. The spread going into the game was 19 points in favor of the Buckeyes. The over-under was 61 points. 
Like the pundits really believed that the Buckeyes were going to hang a lot of points on Penn State. And ultimately, the Nittany Lions, it, it was something you, you and I talked about last week. Jekyll and Hyde. You put the performance on tape that you did against Illinois, which was still baffling, and then you showed up. You looked prepared, and minus some turnovers and some challenges on the offensive side of the ball, Penn State was in this game. So what do you think is the overall meaning and takeaway from this loss to Ohio State? I think if we've learned anything, you know, not just from this Penn State-Ohio State game, but that Michigan-Michigan State game as well, it's that Bama and Georgia are way ahead of everybody else right now. Yeah. Right? And again, that includes Ohio State. And we've known but that. No, but no, and, and, and I mean, and again, a lot of good games throughout the Big Ten. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's details right now. And it's details on the offensive side of the ball. You can't turn the football over, Tom. You know, you can't. You're in a position, you're down three points, you can't. And we'll get we'll get into this breakdown a little bit more when we talk about the offense, but you can't launch a ball downfield and hope for somebody to make a play for you like that in that situation. I think it's just continuing to grow. And I'm talking about the offense here because I think the defense played lights out. Continuing to grow as an offense, continuing to understand what situation you're in. And again, you mentioned the Illinois game, but like you look at this Ohio State game for me and it's like you guys are so close. You're so close. Right. But you just you, you're not there. You can't get it done. Again, it's the performance that I mentioned. First twenty minutes of Iowa, the victory at home against Auburn, mm-hmm. and then the victory on the road to face Wisconsin. Granted, the Badgers are not what we thought they were, but still, that was an important win at the time and looked good. And then you have the performance like you did against Illinois, and the performance you did the latter half of the Iowa game, and it's just head scratching. How do you go from one to the other? It, I, I don't quite know what the answer is to that, and I frankly watch, don't know if Penn State does. Watch Wisconsin win the West now. Yeah, very good chance. And <laughs> Iowa's tumbling as well. Ever you since the Iowa-Penn yeah. State game, both the programs are just completely yeah. unpredictable. Even Minnesota is playing well there in the West, but watch Wisconsin win the West. Watch them go on a little bit of a roll here, and then you see, you know, right now it looks like it's probably going to be Ohio State and, and whoever from the West, but watch it be, watch it be Ohio State-Wisconsin there. I would, I would love to see Very that. likely. Uh, the way Michigan State bowed up and beat Michigan, uh, little brother dethrones big brother. That was reflected, by the way, in the rankings. I do want to give the top 25, and then I want to stick with the Penn State offense. Penn State did remain in the top 25, which uh, there were plenty of fans thinking that that might not be the case, that they would fall out. Penn State is currently listed at number 22 in the AP top 25. And this will probably be uh, music to a lot of Penn State fans' ears, is that the top four is one, Georgia, two Cincinnati, three Alabama, four Oklahoma, five Michigan State, six Ohio State in the AP poll. So the victory for Michigan State over Michigan actually catapults them past the Buckeyes. And in fact, they swap places. It, it was amazing. Michigan drops to number nine overall. Seven's Oregon. Eight is Notre Dame. Ten is Wake Forest. That's my sister's grad school, so I'm very proud of my Deeks. But you know what? Like, There's turmoil in the Big Ten East, and Ohio State's got to be waking up this morning like, Hey, wait a minute. We just beat what we think is a good football team and we dropped. It, it's bizarre. Yeah, it really. Is. I mean, look, and give Michigan State credit because I thought Michigan was going to win that football game. And how about Kenneth Walker, man? I mean, you talk about playing big in a big moment, in a big game where every, I mean, my, myself included, everybody was criticizing Michigan State. Like they haven't really played anybody. Let's see what happens when they really get into their schedule here over the next few weeks. I mean, five touchdowns, the way he ran the football, man. I mean, I was wild at times watching that kid play. So, I mean, that's a tough football team. You know, watching Mel Tucker on the sideline is about as, <laughs> it's like, it's as fun as watching Tom Allen, but in a different way because like, yeah. how, how intense is that guy? 
on the sideline, man. Very. Like I mean, it's awesome. It's 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 awesome to see that, man. You know, it's you know one one it's one of the coaches across the country that, you know, when you're not playing anymore, Tom. You like you when you're watching the NFL, you're watching college. You're like, I'd like to have the opportunity. You know, I wish I had the opportunity to play for that guy, Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. You know, seems like that guy for me. Where I wish, you know, hey, I wish you know, I had a chance to to play for that guy and, and learn from that guy because he's doing it the right way at Michigan State right now. I've said it. He he'd be my vote for the Big Ten Coach of the Year, and it looks like oh, no the running back and Kenneth Walker might be separating himself in terms of the Heisman race slowly but surely if Michigan State keeps up this pace. So. You mentioned the Penn State offense, so I do want to stick with that. The split in terms of the play calling was about 64% pass, and then the rest of the running game just really did not come into to, to play. You could see Penn State trying to get things going on the very first drive of the game and trying to commit to it in the first quarter, and ultimately that proved to be a, a fruitless effort. Penn State finishes on the day with 29 carries for 33 yards, and somehow – Two touchdowns from Jahan Dotson and Kevon Lee, which is amazing. Sean Clifford accounts for 35 completions on 52 attempts passing, 361 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. It, it's something you and I discussed on last week's shows is that this team potentially needs to consider abandoning the run game, and it certainly felt like that by about midway through the second quarter. Were you surprised to see them go to it and stick to it for as long as they did? No, because they've been doing it all year. But that was kind of that was one of the things that I'm thinking throughout the course of the game is like just stop running the football, throw the screens, throw the bubbles, just just stop running it because it's wasting plays. And for me, Tom, you know, I liked the game plan early on. I, yeah. I really did. But we're talking about the run. There was too many call it and run it runs. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Hey, call it, just go call it and run it. Like no options. Give me options outside. I say it all the time. If it's a bad look. Like, why are we running bad plays? Like, I don't want to just mm-hmm. run the ball just to run the football. But where I want to start, and, and again, like, I, I like the game plan, so let's, let's get that out there. Sure. On the road, defense gets a fumble. You have a chance to send a message early and try to shut that crowd up, and you run inside zone in a, res, in, in a response, and you fumble and give the ball right back. Like, I'm throwing the ball 10 out of 10 times. I'm mm-hmm. launching it down the field at home in Beaver Stadium. All right, maybe that's a different story. But on the road, Ohio State fumbles. You got a chance. Take a shot. I have no clue why they, they, they didn't do that. But again, I like the way they played for the most part. I thought Sean looked 10 times better than he did a week ago, Tom. Right? Do I think he was 100%? No, I, I don't. Mm-hmm. But he took some big hits. He made some big plays. Should I say it? If he's 100%. I think it's a different game. So here's a confusing thing. You and I and, and plenty of others watch the Illinois game. Sean wasn't 100%. He was bending over at the waist mm-hmm. after certain throws. He looked like he was in a ton of pain. And the perplexing thing was that on Tuesday, James Franklin comes out and says, quote, Sean Clifford is 100%, which seemed like, how is that humanly possible? And then Sean comes out, and he does look like he's pretty close to 100% for most of that game. Yeah, he's banged up. But it's like, I think it's just the issue that these injuries just don't get disclosed and there's only so much information that we know. But that was just so surprising to see the way Sean was doing design runs. He was not shying away from contact. He was active. He was aggressive. It was just night and day from what we saw against Illinois. Yeah, I mean, yeah, again, I don't think he was 100%. You know, 
I mean, I'm thinking they they could have had a chance to win it, a better chance to win it if he was mm-hmm. 100. If he was playing the way, you know, he was playing early on in the year and he was as healthy as he was early on in the year, you know, and I just, I point to a few things because of that. The sack fumble, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's what you can't do in that game. You can't fumble the football. And I think, and, you know, people are probably thinking, well, you know, he, he got hit, he fumbled the football, it happens, right? He's got to push the pocket in that situation, right, Tom? Defensive ends are taught to the rush, the depth of you. I thought Sean was just flat-footed standing there. They just collapsed on him, and he lost it. And again, you don't know if the hit bothered him, and he lost the ball, right? You just, you don't, you, you don't know. They brought pressure up the middle. Noah Kane did an awesome job of picking it up. You know, fortunately for Penn State, they were able to make it 17-10 before the half, but that, that fumble was huge, you know, and... Uh, Again, certainly looked better than he did a week ago, but I just at times I thought he was still a little timid out there. And I'm not blaming him. This is not me criticizing him. Please understand that I'm not doing that. He's just he's not himself because he's still a little bit injured, and that sucks. I get it. It it's brutal. And and because I think people realize that, and and myself included, you might be seven and one. Hell, you might be eight and oh. If he, if he never got hurt, man, and that's that's tough to deal with. It is. So my question ultimately is, does Penn State just have to live and die by this style of offense the rest of the season? Is this sustainable for the Nittany Lions? You know, look, uh, well, the difference between like excellent teams, Tom, and good teams and just average teams, it's the ability to do it every single week, right? Can you be consistent every single week? Can you play well? every single week. And there has to be certain levels of that, right? Because you're not going to play as well as this week as you can the following week. But what good teams do is they find ways to win, right? They don't beat themselves. If your defense is getting stands in the red zone and goal line stands as well, you're able to find ways to get points off of that and win football games. You're able to capitalize in those moments. Penn state hasn't been able to do that. And that's why they've lost. That's why they've been able to you know, lost football games. That's why they lost this Ohio State game. You know, they responded well because a few times in that game, they could have been, all right, that's it. It's over. But they responded great. I mean, look at the second half. What a way to start the second half. Four and a half minute drive. You scored. You made it 17-17. You know, I wish in the second half they went to more boot, more boots, more rollouts, sprint outs, move the pocket more. Just something to keep that defensive line honest and prevent them from just flying up the field full speed nonstop and going after Sean Clifford. And, you know, we're talking about sustaining good play, being consistent. And and this is, you briefly mentioned it, but this is a moment that I'm talking about. 27-24, 11 and a half in the fourth quarter. On this play where, you know, you, you run in a bubble or it's a smoke to the outside and you're pump faking it, Tom, you're taught pump fake it, boom. Get your eyes back on the safety and hold him because you're trying to bait the corner. You're thinking the corner's going to settle and then you're going to be able to throw that route down the sideline. We're talking about the Illinois 409 game. That's the play mm-hmm. we ran. Fake mm-hmm. it, and that's the that's the route I threw to Derek Moy. Sean fakes right, he finds the safety, and then he tries to go back left. There's nothing holding that corner, that boundary corner, right? And obviously he's got Tyreek Tyreek Smith, defensive lineman from Ohio State, in his face, and he knew it was Dotson. He just, he just launched it up and, and tried to air it out and say, you know, Jahan, go try to make a play for me. But it's it's in those situations where you got to understand, like, if it's not there right away, if I don't if I don't have the pump fake go, just just throw the bubble, just throw the smoke, get it out of your hand, stay on track, right? You're still in this game or take a sack, right? But it's 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 the moments like that that they can't seem to get away from.
Credit to Ohio State. They knew exactly what to do defensively. Their strategy was sound. They sacked Sean Clifford four times. They got pressure throughout the game. They were run blitzing. They were blitzing passing attempts. They were very much trying to make this offensive line uncomfortable, and then especially to make Sean Clifford uncomfortable, knowing that physically the guy's not 100%, and if you rough him up, that's certainly going to help things. Three turnovers overall for the Penn State offense, two of them coming from Sean Clifford, uh, one from Noah Kane. This rushing attack is just anemic. I've said it before. I genuinely do not believe this is the fault of ball carriers necessarily. I think Noah Kane is having a rough season, period. Mm-hmm. I think John Lovett and Kevon Lee are probably the two guys. Even then, I think we've known since August that there's not a Saquon Barkley on this roster, and that's okay. But this offensive line looked like they were more aggressive and a little bit more sound for parts of this game. Like It just felt like incrementally better, but the production wasn't there to continue it. And it's something that I I talked about on the last show that we did, man, was that this receiving core, all the ball catchers in terms of tight ends, wide receivers, even running backs, that is the strength of this offense. It was really nice to see Parker Washington. He didn't get involved a ton against Illinois. He showed up big time in the first half. Then you get Jahan Dotson really doing some special stuff in the second half. Tight ends were all over the field. Keandre Lambert-Smith was there. Great to see Malik Mega getting some important reps as a guy that you're going to need in the future. So. There's positivity, but it is concerning in terms of what they put on tape against Ohio State. No, you, may, so, you mentioned, uh, and, and real quick before we go defense time, you mentioned there was good. There really was good mm-hmm. in that game. Long drive. 24 points on a decent defense. And Ohio State's a beatable defense, obviously. But, fantastic um, on third down. Fantastic on third down. Long drives. You got points. Guys made plays. Jihad Dotson. Struggling getting him the football early on. Parker Washington steps up consistent, reliable all day. Tight ends made plays for you. And then John Dotson, you know, caught up and, and played fantastic as well. So there's a lot of good there. It's just, it doesn't matter if it's Penn State or not turnovers. You can't turn the football over and in that game and expect to win. I do want to ask you about a couple choices by the Penn State coaching staff, a couple referee calls. I know that was something that fans were interested in, and I do want to dive into what the Penn State defense ultimately did on the day, which was very impressive. But before we get to that, all of us involved here at the Pater Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. 
we invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. Tag me in United is a proud partner and supporter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI. If you'd like to show your support, you can purchase a tag me in t-shirt right now at prowrestlingtees.com slash tag me in United, and the proceeds will be gifted to NAMI. The link to this is provided in the description of this podcast. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. So I do want to touch on the Penn State coaching staff and some of the game management decisions. And it's a subject we touched on quite a bit. And it just continues to be very, very frustrating. I remember notably there was a play early in the first half in terms of a fourth and five opportunity that Penn State elected to go for it at the 45-yard line in Ohio State territory. And it just felt like at that time that the Ohio State offense was beginning to gain some steam and Penn State ultimately goes for it. Ohio State turn and gets the ball on downs. And this is just something that's been going on now for eight years. And I do have to point this to James Franklin because ultimately it's his call. We all know the understanding that James Franklin has uh, or our understanding of what James Franklin believes from analytics that basically from Penn State's 40 to the opponent's 40, he thinks that's four down territory. Do you have to throw that out the window at this point? And frankly, I've been talking about this all season, but at what point is it going to take? Because really, this was a field position game. You and I talked about it. This should be kind of what Iowa tried to do to Penn State. Play field position and lean on your defense. Right. You mentioned lean on your defense. I think that's what he was thinking. And I think that's what he was trying to do in case they didn't but get giving it. Him but a look, short I'm a field? Big, I'm, no, exactly. I'm with you. I'm a big situational football guy. You punt the ball there. This is the best offense in the nation, right? And credit to the defense because they got to stop the three and out. They had to punt the football. But now if you're Penn State offense, you're dealing with the full field. Rather than punting that ball from midfield, trying to pin them inside their 20, what if you get a three and out from there? Then they're punting, they're punting from the paint. And now you're getting the ball at midfield and off as an offense. So who knows what could have happened in that situation. But their offense was struggling at that point. So I punt that ball. I try to make them go full the full field against our defense. Right. It's just there's nothing wrong with punting the ball, especially early in the game like that. Right. I mean, that's something Bill O'Brien said all the time. Reserve the right to punt the football. Right. Mm-hmm. If you could do if you could do that, you're going to you're going you're gonna to have a chance to win. But, yeah, it's on the road, you know, going, going four and fourth downtown. Yeah, I mean, I didn't agree with that. I would have kicked it. There were some comments raised by Penn State fans in terms of issues with the refereeing. And frankly, in big time games like this, it, it always is a subject. I found that one of the more critical plays that I think was actually a good decision by the referees was late in the second half. The one where uh, John Lovett ran out of bounds, looked like he caught that wheel pass and could have run all the way for a touchdown. And that really could have changed the momentum of the game. But ultimately, it was deemed that he ran out of bounds on his own volition and that he was not pushed out of bounds. Even the the Ohio State player just kind of tapped him and he Mm -hmm. went out of bounds. Clearly, Lovett was angling that way. So I genuinely believe that was the right call. Did you have any issue with the referees in this game? I don't think so. I think there was a late hit on Joey Porter Jr., right? If I remember correctly. 
Uh, yeah, there was one that he, they, he got a penalty for a late hit when uh, Garrett Wilson caught a pass along the sideline. And it was just bang, bang how quickly it happened because Garrett Wilson is sliding to make the catch right along the chalk. And Joey's just right behind him. And the argument is, what was Joey supposed to do? You're supposed to hit him. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And he did that, right? Yeah. Because it's not, you're not just going to let him catch the football, right? He's got to complete that catch. Right, catch it. He's he's already down. Catch it, and mm-hmm. then he's gonna go down. But mm-hmm. you, uh, Joey Porter Jr. has every right to try to break that up. But no, other than that, I thought it was fine. You're right. The the John Lovett ran out, ran out of bounds, ran back, and you could see you can you could see what Franklin was saying to the refs. He's like, I want to challenge it. I want to challenge it. Didn't look like the I'm refs very were glad. Yeah, go ahead. Very glad you brought that up because you and I both know you can't challenge a penalty. There you so. Go. Yeah. Why is James Franklin asking that? I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's troublesome. There's there's certain game management things about this staff, and they don't necessarily all fall on James Franklin. There's a lot of guys involved, but it's troublesome. I'll leave it at that. Go Let's ahead. move on Go to the Penn State defense. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Penn State defense did exactly what we were hoping they would do because we've seen it happen in September and much of October is that they were, despite the points and the yarders that was put up, they were pretty lights out. They were really making life difficult for Ohio State. How many times did they have to uh, force a fourth down in Penn State territory and Ohio State just looked visibly ticked off? And frustrated. You could tell Ryan Day and his staff were like, we should be destroying this team based on what Penn State put on tape against Illinois. And then to me, I'm curious what you think. Ohio State's game plan seemed flawed from the beginning. It's as opposed to lining up and running the ball down Penn State's throat, like Illinois did with Travion Henderson, who had a great game, is gonna have a great career. They instead leaned on the freshman quarterback, CJ Stroud, who it took him about a half to really get yeah. going, but still it's it just seemed like a flawed game plan, and Penn State was like, okay, go for it. Well, I think they thought they were just going to walk all over Penn State after what they saw in that Illinois game. I really did. Mm-hmm. Like It's like they were expecting to go out there and perform the way they performed the past four weeks, right? Put up 50-plus points, do whatever they wanted with the football in the run game, in the pass game. They couldn't do that, right? And that's tough when you're rolling the way they were rolling. It's tough to kind of sit back and be like, all right, whoa, this isn't working for us. What do we need to do, right? There was communication issues, false starts, and that's why I brought up Bam and Georgia to start the show, right? Because Bam and Georgia, I think, destroy that Ohio State offense right now. Don't get me don't don't get me wrong; it's good. Mm-hmm. There's talented guys, there's skill players there right now, but they're not there yet, right? I, I don't think they're there yet. Um, you know, and you look at the way this game started. We we touched on it earlier. Star a uh, strip fumble to start the game. You couldn't ask for a better way for defensively to start this game. This defense was hitting hard, Tom. Like that's one of the first things I noticed. I was like, wow. These guys are flying around, man. They're ready to play. These guys are physical. Like, they made it a point to stop the run early on. Mm-hmm. When you look at C.J. Stroud, when they pressured and hurried Stroud, he was off. He was inaccurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is and he's a young kid still, but this is a kid. He wants to set his feet. He wants to stay in rhythm. He's a great creator, right? When it gets late in the down, he's very dangerous. And Ohio State is dangerous in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're good in every way offensively, running, passing. The boot game is great, extending plays. And for Penn State's defense, Tom, you can play lights out, but there's only so much that you can do. Yeah. Stroud is going to have a nice career, but like just about every quarterback that has ever played the game, if you're pressured, it's not that comfortable. 
What did you think about the Penn State defensive line? Because we talked, the theme of this episode might as well be night and day because it seemed like against Illinois, the loss of P.J. Mustafer was gigantic. Mm-hmm. This week, it just seemed different. It seemed like Derek Tangelo especially stepped up and had a nice first three quarters of play, and then you could tell the fatigue was starting to wear in, uh, wear on for the defensive line. Uh, what did you think of their effort overall? Ebiketti's uh, fantastic. He, he, he's a great player. You know, He's the strength of that defensive line right now. They did a really good job of containing Travion Henderson. And what's hard, and this happened, the second half, it happened later in the game, when you miss a tackle with this guy. Big, explosive plays occur after. And there's one play in particular that I'm thinking of. He ran down the left sideline. Tarburton just missed the tackle. And 91, can't think of his name right now, Tom. I think it's it's Ellie's, I believe. Yes, but... um, he was just, he got his back turned and was just lost. Henderson was able to, to hit the hole, hit the crease, and had that big play, man. And it's just like you can't give, you can't give them an inch, right? That's because they're too yeah. good to do Devon that. Devon Ellis. For, there you go. For the most part, they did a fantastic job of that. And I want to just, I mean, I have to bring up the secondary as well because Tariq Castrofield, Joey Porter, they did such a good job against these wide receivers, right? I couldn't care less about the penalties from Porter because you have to be physical in this game. You have to be tough with these guys. You have to frustrate them, and he did that. But, I mean, and even with the wide receiver spot time as well, we saw the, the Smith and Jigba play, right? He uh, broke a tackle. Brown took a bad route, a bad angle, and he's able to get upfield for a huge play. So, you know, understand for Penn State defensively, you know they're going to get theirs, right? They're going to get their plays. They're going to get their yardage. What you have to do is stop the drive, hold the three, red zone, goal line. Penn State did that. They did their job Saturday night. And that's a good, good offensive line from Ohio State. Uh, it's A lot has been reported that every guy on the offensive line for Ohio State has played the tackle position at one yeah. point. Obviously, they're not all playing tackle right now. And it's like, But and uh, it, there, there are a lot of Sunday bodies, so to speak. Yeah. And we're trying, like, we're talking defense here and we're trying to, like, pick out a handful of plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> to talk well, it, about, the thing you I, know, so it's the thing I, but Matt, the thing I liked is that how different it was from Illinois. Illinois, the defensive line was getting blown backwards consistently. Mm-hmm. So as a result, you've got, and we talked about it, second and third level guys having to make plays. Mm-hmm. This week against Ohio State, the defensive line was, if anything, just holding their ground at the line of scrimmage, or mm-hmm. they were getting consistent pressure, at least in the first half of play, first three quarters. They were consistently moving the offensive line backwards at least a yard or something. That then frees your second-level guys, Jacob, Smith, and Brooks, to make a ton of plays as opposed to have just having to make the play. Right. And then you saw guys like Tig Brown, who's really developing, and Jaquan Brisker just flying to the ball carrier and laying some wood. So it just seemed like the application of the strength of the defense was vastly improved just because the defensive line made an incremental jump. Yeah, even like even the touchdown was uh, the Ohio State touchdown to Olave. He ran that deep over mm. route. The seven man pass pro, right? They went, they went, you know, uh, max pro. That's great play design by Ryan Day. It's not like anybody really blew a coverage. It's not like anybody really had a missed assignment, right? Because it's a slot formation. So if Tree Castro fields, you have to respect that vertical threat by Ohio State's tight end. I think it was Rucker. So he's going vertical. Castro field has eyes on him. When he breaks in, it's too late 
for Castro Fields to continue to get depth and try to see that deep crossing route to Olave. I mean, Brisker's in the middle of the field. I think he thought he was going to run a post, so he had his hips turned. And then Olave just crossed face, and Stroud knows nobody's over there. He just made it great. So it's good offensive play, right? And that's that's mm-hmm. game plan by Ryan Day in Ohio State. How do they play the slot formation? How do you beat it? Stuff like that happens in a game. But again, there's only a handful of plays that stick out to me. Look, def- the, the defense kept this game from getting out of control. I thought, Tom, you know, they did a fantastic job. I mean, how I mean, how good is Brent Pry, you know, as a defensive coordinator and as a coach? Excellent. It, it's he's done really yeah, well. It's fantastic. He makes, some, yeah. Yeah. he makes some very good adjustments. And overall, I come back to Ohio State. I thought their game plan was odd, and they left points on the field. That that could have been a twelve point margin. They they passed on a field goal and were trying to be aggressive mm-hmm. very late in the game when they had a lead. It was the same thing I thought about Penn State in that fourth and five. And it's like, listen, take the field position or take the points. Uh, I I think it comes back to what you said. The tape against Illinois was so confusing and so like, what is this team that Ohio State probably was feeling pretty confident coming into this and then was frustrated visibly late in the game when it wasn't just an absolute blowout. Mm -hmm. So now my question is, you have four games left. So you go on the road to Maryland, you host Michigan, you host Rutgers, and then you're at Michigan State. By no means an easy stretch. Mm-hmm. What is this Penn State team? You don't know, right? We don't know right now on the outside looking in. I mean, that's that's up for the that's up to them to decide, Tom, where you want to go from here. You've lost three games in a row, right? You're sitting here, you're you're five and three. You have a Maryland team who just was able to bounce back offensively. Talia threw it for over 400 yards. So they're going to throw the football at you. They're going to, right? They're not really a run-heavy team. They're going to they're gonna try to throw the football all over the field. But, I mean, can, can you stop the bleeding, right? Are, are you going to let this snowball? You know, do you know what I mean? It's, it's how, how you show up on Monday morning. Are you still thinking about Saturday? Are you still thinking about Illinois? Are you still thinking about Iowa? Or is it, it is what it is. Let's move forward now. And let's beat Maryland. No, they talk about one and oh. They talk about, you know, who are we playing this week, right? Maryland, 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 Maryland. We see that every week. That's what it's gotta be. Right? You you have to you have to figure it out. You have to keep showing up. You have to keep grinding. You have to keep fighting. You have to keep continuing to prep. Because Maryland would love to beat Penn State again. Everybody would love to beat Penn State. Right? That's a huge win for teams. So, I mean, it, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't slow down. So you can't slow down. You have to continue to push forward, Tom. Otherwise, yeah, what's uh, what's the alternative? Well, you lose. You continue to lose. Five and three right now. Say you go over the remainder of the season. That's ugly. I don't think that's the case. I genuinely don't believe that's the case. However, the old adage in football is that you are what your record is. And Penn State is going on the road to Maryland, who has an identical record overall and in conference to Penn State. So this won't be easy by any means. And then you have Michigan, which despite the loss to Michigan State, excellent football team. Rutgers, you believe, is a winnable game. Michigan State's going to be a real test at the end of the season. Now, now it is, Tom. Now, now, and, and now it is. Now it's serious. I didn't, I didn't and I, uh, I have to be honest, I didn't think it was going to be. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Michigan would be very tough. Um, I think Ruck, I believe this Maryland team is going to be tough. Um, you can't let mm-hmm. them hang around. Michigan game is certainly going to be tough. Rutgers game is going to be tough. They're always there's a well-coached team, well-prepared team. I didn't expect that Michigan State game to be as tough as I think it's going to be now. Right? I thought Michigan was yeah. was going to win, but it's, it's these four games are dangerous, man. 
wild times in the Big Ten. Yeah. So number 22, Penn State, goes on the road this Saturday to Maryland, this Saturday, November 6th. The game is a 3.30 p.m. Eastern kickoff on FS1. Uh, of course, we're going to have a full breakdown of that game this Friday. And as well, I'm very happy to announce the first ever guest on the Paydirt podcast. Uh, Matt, I know you're going to be excited about this. It is a former Maryland Terrapin. His name at the time when he played for Maryland was Dean Mutati, former defensive lineman. I know him from my time in WWE as Mojo Raleigh, and he now goes by Mojo Mutati, and he's doing some really big things with TMZ Sports and his own company called Paragon Talent, which I'm very happy to be partnered with. But we're going to have a Terrapin on the show to give us a little bit of a preview of what they're all about. I know you're a wrestling guy. I know you're a football guy. So this should be fun. He's a hyped up dude. I got to stay hype, man. I got to bring the en- I got to bring the energy. Let's go. Now it's going to so be fun. That'll be fun, man. It'll be a fun episode. It'll be good. I'm excited. First ever guest. I'm all about first time ever stuff. I got the old wrestling brain. So I do have one more question for you because we're recording this uh, on Sunday. It's Halloween. What is Matt McGloy? What is Matt McGloy going for? Uh, as uh, what? Oh my God! I can't even talk. What is your costume going to be for Halloween? So so my son is going as Spider Man. So <laughs> awesome for, for a few weeks now, he's been telling me that I have to go as the Hulk. So, oh, and okay. It, and, and, and it never, it never changed. Like, it wasn't like, <laughs> Hey dad, Hulk, you're going as the Hulk or it's, you're going as Captain America or Iron Man or anything like that. It's been Hulk, 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 dude. So I went to party city, sold out of Hulk costumes. I called a party city in another city sold out. I called a party city in another city around Scranton sold out. So I, I was like panicking. I couldn't find a Hulk costume. Finally, a local Halloween store in downtown Scranton had the Hulk costume that I was looking for. So yeah, that's my costume, man. Where we, yeah, we'll go out trick or treating. You know, we'll go see some decorations around the city. So it's gonna be fun. What yeah, are What are you wearing? What are you wearing? Anything? I'm I'm watching uh, the Eagles uh, against uh, the Lions. We'll see if they pull it out here. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm celebrating with some family today. This will be a good day. Hopefully, we're celebrating a win. So I I'm just not that big a Halloween guy. Uh, all right, passing on candy I'm a, at least. I'm about oh yeah no I get some I'll get some candy I'll pull pass some candy yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. Um, and I do want to uh, congratulate you and just a little heads up for all our listeners is that you and your wife have a second on the way. So we're going to be banking some episodes for the month of January. So we're very interested to hear from our listeners in terms of like, Hey, what would you like to hear us dive into just some evergreen stuff, some old stories of Matt's playing days. We can dive into how horrible of an athlete I was at the high school level. That could be really fun. My time in WWE, there's a lot of stuff we can talk about. And uh, that way it's going to give Matt uh, some paternity leave. Uh, from the Pater <laughs> podcast. So we're just looking ahead to when we bank some stuff for January. You know, you know, so. and and last thing as well, Tom, any guests that, you know, our listeners think that, you know, they'd want to have on the show moving forward, like yeah. former Penn State players, you want to talk about their careers and, and and things like that, please, you know, comment and let us know. Yeah. Like comment subscribe turn on notifications thank you all for joining us for this edition and we will see you friday for a preview of penn state versus maryland right here on paydirt oh paydirt paydirt you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save 